Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's well, good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the midweek edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much again for joining with us. We can't express how much we love our listeners. But before we get started, if you could just take a quick second and head over and give us a five-star review. Here's the reason. It helps us with search ranking. It helps us with individuals who are looking at Alaska politics and searching for podcasts like that or any of the topics that we touch on as well. And if you just want to take an additional second and give us a written review, that helps us even more so. It's also a great way for us to interact with you. We love hearing from our listeners. It's great to see your feedback. It's been incredibly gracious and positive, so thank you for that. So if you want to do that, just even just give us a five-star review, or if you want to take it a step further and give us a written review, that would be very much appreciated. Well, there's much to talk about today, okay? There's a lot of things going on. Uh, so I'm going to try to do these quick hits in the beginning quicker than I normally do. I know. I always say the quick hits, and we end up talking for like 20 minutes on them. So with that being said, let's just talk a little bit about some of the stories coming out of Alaska. And the first one, let's talk about the recent poll that was done in late March. Now, there's about 500 people that were surveyed through live calls, text messages, emails, the works. And a lot of it was to uh, target this new jungle primary that Ballot Measure 2 had created in Alaska. So this, this idea of this jungle primary where every it's a free-for-all. And so to get a little dorky into the, the statistics in this, in this poll itself... Uh, there was about an error that was calculated that roughly falls in line between 4.3, 4.4%. But the the confidence interval or, or the confidence in, in the data is about 95% right now. And so let's just get to the numbers. The numbers are pretty pretty damning for, for some and, and really exciting for others, depending on where you fall in the, the campaigns. Okay, so obvious winner, and this is pretty clear, the campaign has started strong. Uh, this individual's come out of the gate very well. Uh, she's been all over national media, and that's Kelly Shabaka. She came out strong in this poll with about a 33.6% rating. Um, but, but, that's just coming out of the gate. And again, she came out strong. This is great news for her and her campaign when it comes to raising support. This is great news for uh, her and her campaign when it shows just how much of an impact she has uh, as a fresh candidate that has hit the ground running and is essentially all over the news, I mean, all over national and local media. So that's great news for her campaign. What's not so good news for Lisa Murkowski's campaign is the percentage she got, which was about 18.8%. Now, that's just a little bit more than half um, of the total number that Kelly got. So that's not showing a real great approval rating right now. Uh, that's not really showing a great uh, confidence level for her or her campaign. Now, that does not mean that as the, the campaign trail moves on, and again, we're real early. This is a 2022 election. So we're real early. So that number could change. That could fluctuate up and down based on a lot of things. One is just her campaign and her fundraising, which she will do a lot of, and she will fundraise significantly. Lisa Markowski is no joke. 
to be the, only the second candidate ever to win a U.S. Senate seat on a write-in uh, campaign is, it's not a joke. So she does have a, a disadvantage right now. She does have a deficit, but sh she could make it up. And that's, that's, a, an ex that's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's just put it that way. It's not. Lisa's savvy. Her campaign strategy is going to be savvy. So this is just right out of the gate. The other individual is Al Gross, which came in just slightly below Lisa at 17.6%. Now, Al Gross is still lingering around uh, from his uh, 2020 um, campaign against Dan Sullivan. Now, that campaign was very interesting. I covered it extensively. There was a lot of interesting aspects to it. One of those included ballot harvesting, which really affected the state and local municipality level when it came to... Uh, voting down ballot in the Democratic race. I mean, District 27, Lance Pruitt, um, you know, I, I think he lost that race due to ballot harvesting and voting down the ballot. Uh, that that was a huge factor in that, in my opinion. I don't, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. That's just what I've seen. Some of the data might suggest that, but for sure. So Al Gross is in there as a Democrat. Now, currently, right now, this is another thing to note. The survey included Lisa Murkowski as a Republican, okay? So that'll be interesting to see what Lisa does in her campaign moving forward. She has no reason to change, particularly with this jungle primary. It doesn't really matter. But just an interesting note, is she going to use that Republican uh, tag to, to help? Does she find that to be a hindrance? Again, it'll be interesting as we move down um, the campaign trail to see what she does in terms of how she labels herself to the Alaskan public. The other interesting aspect was there was a portion of the... There's five candidates that were listed, and then there's a six, which was undecided. And about 21.1% of those who were polled were undecided. So this will be very, very interesting to see exactly, you know, where those 21% land in the, in the coming year. Um, let me just read you a little bit here from uh, the article written by Suzanne. Kelly Jabaka leads from the onsets in a hypothetical primary ballot for U.S. Senate before any message testing. Chewbacca's ballot score peaks among Trump voters at 61%, Republicans 61%, and conservatives at 59%. Those are all very strong numbers. Lisa Murkowski is in a weak position as an incumbent, uh, finding themselves uh, lagging behind. A strong Republican candidate is poised to defeat Murkowski. Kelly Chewbacca is that candidate. And this was uh, a quote taken. So uh, very interesting. I'm curious to see how this continues. And again, just watch it. What this does, okay, just so, so everybody's clear, what this does is it really helps when it comes to fundraising. This shows that, that Kelly's a legit candidate right off the bat. She came out strong. She's, she's obviously a strong Republican candidate, conservative candidate, based on those numbers. I mean, 61%. Of Trump voters are, are are looking at her Republicans sixty one percent and conservatives at fifty nine. So that's a strong indicator that that the conservative and Republican vote are looking at Kelly as a viable option. So again, that is a that's a great number on the on the face of it. It's a great start. It's also a great way to to generate more fundraising because now Kelly looks like a viable candidate. There's some polling out there that shows her as a viable candidate. So that's a big deal. Well, moving on, let's talk a little bit about what's good at Anchorage. We're going to have probably a lot of conversation about Anchorage today with the mayor race happening and, and all the shenanigans going on there. But 
on April 6th, now this is, I'm reading this right out of the article from Suzanne, it's school board to have work session and board meeting on its critical race theory. And it says this, on April 6th, the Anchorage School Board will have its first formal reading of an anti-racism and instructional equality policies. Uh, she goes on to write, this is the critical race theory approach the board, school board is seeking to adopt, although the proponents are not calling it that. And folks, let me just tell you this. There is a real push right now to, to indoctrinate young people into specific books that provide a very certain and very direct worldview about white people. And, and the book that they're really looking at right now, and the book that I've read it, I know a lot of people have read it, because you need to understand what is going on in, in, this, in this book to fully understand what the concerns are and should be from parents. It's The White Fragility Book by Robin D'Angelo. I mean, this book has been all around. And of course, it's called White Fragility. And here it, here's the, sub, the subtitle to it. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. Now, that would be an interesting book. And I think anybody would love to read a book that helps uh, people engage in the conversation of racism. And let's not pretend like racism is not a part of um, our world at all. Let's not go down that road because this is not true. There are racist people. There is racism that happens. However, this book is not about that. This book is how is essentially imposing the worldview that all white people are racist. Regardless, you have no, there is no um, choice in the matter. We're just racist. And, and that's a really oversimplification for the book. But what I really want you to do is if you're a parent listening to this right now, I would be very concerned about where this is going. Uh, she writes, in this approach, supported by the district's own radical reading list, people are criticized for thinking white and for teaching a curriculum from a Eurocentric perspective. Those promoting critical race theory see the dominance of European literature, history, or math reflects a curriculum that caters to white students. Okay, so now we're gonna, I'm going to read you a quote here from, um, let me see. I'm trying to I'm trying to see who this oh from Dina Bishop, the superintendents of schools. Okay. We're going to look at the policies that the board passes, and then we'll take a step back and look at how we establish our administrative regula regulations. We're going to see where are the places where we are meeting this policy that the board passes and where we are not. And certainly if there are changes that need to be met. We will bring those to our curriculum team. There's a formal process for curriculum to be able to be taught in the school, Dina says. So here's the deal. Here's my concern. And I'm seeing this not, not just in Alaska. This is around the country. There is a push now. There is Humans are interesting people. Let me just put it to you that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this. Humans are interesting people. What ends up happening is if there's something that is seen as an error or a correction needed, we're extremists by nature. We're extremists. We do not tend to find a middle ground so that we're not overemphasizing one thing or another. What we tend to do is we take the pendulum and swing it to the exact opposite side, creating another issue that almost mirrors the same issue on the far opposite end that the pendulum just swung from. So now we're going from, hey, 
we have a very Eurocentric, very, I guess, whitewashed curriculum in our schools. So what we're going to do is erase everything that has anything to do with white people and go all the way swinging to the other side, which says we don't do anything. We don't have any curriculum. And, and I'm, I'm being hyperbolic for a little bit of reason here because what this is where it's heading towards, which is anything that has to do with white is wrong. Anything that has to do with white was wrong. And I'm not joking. This is what you're seeing in schools and school districts. You have people, you have teachers in California that are that are right now testifying saying, listen, I'm not going to have to sit here and reflect. Again, these are teachers getting trained in racial sensitivity training and also being trained and asked to reflect upon their whiteness and ask for forgiveness. And if you think I'm joking, look it up. Look it up. We swing the pendulum so far to the other side when we want to course correct some things that it causes the same problem on the opposite end, just a different perspective. And it starts when you allow literature that essentially puts the worldview that white people are all bad. I'm a white male. So in, in the intersectionality world, I'm at the, the bottom end to the point where I shouldn't even be discussing racial issues because I'm a white male. And this is where the problem leads. It's not about having discussion and, and con- conversing on, as this book says, the White Fragility book, to talk about racism. No, what it is is to shut down a, a perspective and only look at a certain perspective, which is exactly the reason why the pendulum was swung in the first place. Because according to these school districts, there's only a Eurocentric, whitewashed curriculum that's in there. That's essentially what they're saying here. And so here's the issue. I do believe we need to talk about racism. I knew, I do believe that there should be open dialogue across all races about how racism, racism has affected people's lives. I'm a proponent of that. I think the, the, and again, you've heard this from many different people, but in the marketplace of ideas, those ideas need to be shared. Even the ones that are terrible so that we can course correct those ideas. And we could say, I don't want those. I reject those ideas. That's ridiculous. But what we're doing now is now we're, we're saying that, you know what? All ideas are out. Only this one idea works, which is exactly the reason why they're course correcting in the first place. And that's the irony of what's going on right here. It's not about including more ideas or including more perspectives or including more literature or or thought processes or philosophies or histories or whatever it is. It's not about including more. It's about eliminating and only going with one perspective, which is the very thing that they're trying to eliminate right now with this Eurocentric perspective, as they put it. And this is a problem. This is, again, humans are fascinating. We are individuals that swing the pendulum from one extreme to another because we're incapable of meeting in the middle and realizing that everybody's perspective can be used within the curriculum. We can have European uh, history. We can have Asian history. We can have African history, South American history, um, North American history. We can have those histories together. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But here we are. Here we are again. And, and, and this is infuriating for me. And this is the reason why my son doesn't go to public school. It's the very reason my son doesn't go to public school. 
because it's not about actually including perspectives. It's about excluding perspectives for another. And I say it again, the irony of it all is that it's the same reason why the school board right now is looking at uh, changing curriculum, except it's not to include, it's to exclude a specific type and only focus on that. At least that's what I've seen down in the lower 48. These conversations end up going that route. And they may include, as they put, Euro-specific or Eurocentric perspectives, but they're demonized as well. This is what you get when teachers have to take, you know, learning your whiteness. And it's not a joke. If you think I'm wrong, look it up. Look it up. I've seen teachers testifying in California about the ridiculousness of this, where people have to apologize for their race. Come on, guys. Wake up. Wake up. I'm all, I, again, racism is a real thing. It lives universally, unfortunately. But it is in America. But what that doesn't, that doesn't lead people to do is to then demonize one race. It just doesn't lend itself to do that. That that is not what what we're trying. What what we should be trying to do as a country and a community. What we should be trying to do is include others into the perspectives that we're learning. I totally agree with that. I have no problem with that. I think we should absolutely. But let's not let's not try to demonize races now. That is not what we're trying to do. Just my perspective. Just my perspective. I just think it's very, very interesting. Now, I'm going to read you just one more note on this. Um, uh, I'm trying to look at who... I'm, I'm looking at Suzanne's... Uh, here we go. Okay. As the parent of mixed-race kids, I find the use of positive racial discrimination in institutional oppressor victim narratives horrifying said one parent instructional equal uh, equity policy or as it's known politically critical race theory is an extension of political critical theory what is it doing in our classrooms he goes on to say critical theory aims to set up permanent group conflict and it is working how do we know because there is more intergroup attacks and divisive divisiveness now than there has ever been how do we know it is authoritarian and anti-democratic? Because good and decent people have become too afraid to speak out against it. Have you noticed that the people who bring us the new tolerance and inclusion also strangely happen to be the same people bullying, intimidating, and terrorizing people who don't agree with them? Interesting point by this parent. This is a done. This is done a number of ways. If not outright physical tact, the new tolerance and inclusion crowd seek to have people removed from their jobs, online platforms, and otherwise discredited and canceled in all perspectives of civil life simply for the crime of disagreeing with them. It does not sound inclusive or tolerant. That's exactly, exactly, I was reading this as I was talking to you guys. This is exactly why uh, I was saying what I was saying about the irony in this all. Now, in fairness, I'll read you a parent who uh, disagree. I am in strong support of this policy, the new policy that's coming in. We absolutely have a need for this. Our district is rife with racism and anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim sentiment. This is not okay and creates a very unsafe environment for many students. That was a comment by the parents. Um, listen, I, I again, I can't be clear enough. 
I do believe there's racism that permeates across uh, in the world, but but we're specifically talking about the uh, United States and even Alaska. Absolutely, there are people that have um, racist ideology. I don't disagree with that, but to demonize an entire race or or to to imply that any disagreement with critical race theory is is you being racist or or you not being tolerant or inclusive is is absurd it's absurd absolutely absurd and it's even more of a problem because the people that you disagree with like this parent had said will try everything what physical attacks they'll they'll come after your jobs they'll deplatform you they'll they'll dox you i've been doxed numerous times um, they'll cancel uh, ca- cancel culture. They'll do, do everything they can to push. Because you know what? If it was about inclusivity, then that becomes the marketplace of ideas. And you know what? You reject the ideas that are truly terrible, not ones that just disagree with you. So, just an interesting perspective. I mean, listen, this is going to be a topic and conversation throughout the United States right now. And like I told you, you can look up particularly in California, because I watched I watched teachers testifying against some of the things that they're now being forced to do, which is to to reflect and apologize for the whiteness. There was another group of people, and I don't even know where it was. There was a, there were students, male students, who were uh, forced to apologize to female students for things that their gender had done, which is, by the way, that, I mean... You want to talk about double standard. I mean, now you're not supposed to include gender into anything. So why this happened the way it did, I don't know. But there were there were students who had nothing to do with anything that they were apologizing for, being forced to apologize to female students for um, inappropriate sexual misconduct of others that they weren't even a part of. You think I'm joking? Look it up. I'm telling you, this is getting crazy. This is absolutely absurd. And if you're a parent, you need to be aware of this. Don't stick your head in the sand. Know what's going on in your kid's school. Because I'm telling you, the only way this stuff gets course corrected is if parents go, you know what? Nah. Nah. I'm not going to allow this to happen. We absolutely can include more perspectives into our curriculum. But there is no way you're going to demonize or exclude other perspectives. Because it doesn't actually do what you're asking it to do. So parents, be aware. Step up. I'm tired of parents just going, well, the school's going to raise my kid. Knock it off. I know you're tired. Listen, I come home from work exhausted. But I want to know what my kid's doing because you know what? That kid is going to be the leader of the next generation. My kid could be the next senator, could be the next president. You don't know. And what do you want? Your kids to be decent? Your kids to look at all perspectives, to see people for who they are? Come on, parents. We got to be better. We got to. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Let's move on to some, you know, I guess some fun, depending if you're at the party or not. So, okay, you've heard about this Capitol party, okay? Suzanne wrote about it, created quite a stir. There was many things that were going on. And so it happened last week, and here's the deal, okay? Um, Legislators brought in some of their friends to the Capitol's Terry Miller building last week after hours for, and and again, There's many speculations going on right now. What was going on? There's people who have denied things that were part of that, people who did not deny things, people who are taking many different roads. But essentially, 
on tape, because remember, this is a public, this is a government building, where Sarah Rasmussen, Kelly Merrick, Zach Fields, legislative liaison Luke Miller, Dunleavy Chief, uh, Deputy Chief of Staff Tyson Gallagher, House Majority Press Secretary Austin Byrd, and blogger from a site here in town. Um, there may have been others, but this is what the tape showed. Now, what they're doing in there is the subject of many debate. What we do know is that the cleaning crew uh, arrived after what was called a beery mess, salsa spilled around uh, type of event. So we don't actually, uh, listen, there's probably tape of it. I'm sure there is. Um, but there's been denial of beer. There's been denial of beer pong. There's been denial of a lot of things. Now, what's being said was, is that uh, there's possibly, you know, ping pong, beer pong, leg wrestling, you know, uh, I think it was categorized by Susanna's general frat party stuff. Okay. Well, there, there's a couple things that are wrong with this. Uh, there's a couple concerning things. Number one is, uh, why are we doing this in, in the Capitol itself? The the Thomas Stewart building. Like, well, why? So there was the Thomas Stewart building and the Terry Miller building, okay? And they've been shut down due to COVID. So that means no outside public figures can come in. Uh, that was broken. But why are we doing this there? I mean, do you not have places in in Juno that you can do this? Is there not a way that you can do this outside of the, the Terry Miller building? I mean, clearly there's there's going to be cameras there. There's going to be uh, a cleanup crew there. There's, I mean, I mean, to me, it just makes more sense. Go. Do you not have an apartment or do you not have a house? Does, it's, is there no other place to do this? And apparently not right now. But two out of three legislators uh, went to... Uh, their colleagues in the House of Representatives and apologize. One of those was Sarah Rasmussen, and the other one was Kelly Merrick for the incident that happened. Um, again, Rasmussen had a long apology. Uh, a lot of them denied some of the things that were being um, written here at Must Read Alaska. Others were really vague, like Kelly Merrick's apology was vague about what was going on. But th here's the thing. Uh, it just frustrates me as as a citizen here because, first of all, judgment it's always for me it's all about judgment you got to use better judgment you just do you just got to use better judgment i mean i think all involved maybe would use better judgment the next time i don't have a problem with people having fun just do it outside of the you know uh, of a building that has specific rules because of covid does nobody have a place where they can go and do this that is really my question. It was it so important that it happened there. Now, I don't know what happened. Many of them are saying, listen, beer pong didn't happen. The legged race stuff didn't happen. We were just playing ping pong and basketball and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and some say there were beer. Some say there was no beer. There's conflicting reports even within the group that was together. So it'll come out. It'll all come out anyways. But the point of the matter is this. Can we just use better judgment? Please. Can we just use better judgment? Even if the only fact was is that public people who were not allowed inside the building came in, just use better judgment. Go to your house. Go to your apartment. Just use better judgment. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, an interesting note is that uh, Zach Fields did not issue an apology or anything at all. Just kind of sat there. Eh. 
eh, not going to say anything. Just, just keep that in mind. This is the same Zach Fields that, uh, according to Zara Rasmussen, made some lewd, uh, inappropriate remarks to her about her stopping traffic in a short skirt. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember us talking about that a while ago, but, you know, it's just it's a peek behind the the curtain there for for a lot of us um, in the public. So just something to think about. Here's the other thing: uh, the judgment issue is just such a big thing for me here. It's it's again, I don't have problem people having fun. I could care less. Have fun. Listen, everybody needs to cut loose sometimes and just have some fun. Just be smart about where you're doing it. Did you not think there was cameras everywhere? Do you not think that people would notice if a public person who should not be in there that's only reserved, the rules in the Capitol have specific um, restrictions against having uh, public uh, the public into these buildings? You think that's not going to be a problem? Again, it's just judgment. That's all I'm looking for, better judgment. The blogger who uh, is locally took to his account it said, last Wednesday after work, a small group of us went to the AK Leg Gym to play ping pong, basketball, and have some beers. Now, keep in mind, there are reps that say there were no beers. No one was playing beer pong, and there was no mess. Well, that's not true. The cleaning crew said there was quite a mess. Suzanne Downing, our fearless leader here, could care less about the truth. She just enjoys tattling on people she doesn't like. This is a real glimpse into many of the partisans in Juno. They are much more interested in making a big deal about political enemies hanging out and having some beer after work than they are trying to solve the state's budget deficits and other problems. Well, first of all, Suzanne's not a legislator, so that's just a dumb it take. Second of all, it's not tattling. You guys did something wrong. It was illegal for this blogger to be in there, and yet he, he was. And you're missing the point. The point is, is terrible judgment. So because you and the group that you were in made a terrible judgment call. It's not incumbent of us to hold those those people that are elected by the citizens to be held accountable for that? No, 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 no. Because it gets in the way of fun. Now, it's not about the fun. It's about judgment. It's about adhering to the rules. If we're supposed to be adhering to the rules of COVID and all of the, quote, mandates, this is the problem I have. Again, it goes back to a lack of self-awareness and a lack of... And just a double standard. It's just stupid. This is just dumb. Now listen, Jessica Gary, who heads the Legislative Affairs Agency, sent a memo last week reminding people to clean up after themselves. So why would a memo go out about cleaning up if there was no mess? Uh, and during the you know during Sarah's apology, she referenced that memo. Uh, again, this blogger contradicted that memo, and also the janitors who were cleaning up the incident reported. A different side to that story as well. Uh, so again, I, I don't care if you're going to do something, um, if you're going to play beer pong or, or whatever it is you're going to do. Just do it outside. Just do it at your place. Use better judgment when you're doing things. Please, for the love of God, just use better judgment. That's all I'm asking for. As somebody who doesn't care, you know, if you need to, if you need to have some fun, have some fun. Go to some axe throwing here in Anchorage. If you're down in Juneau, go grab something to eat and go back to your, you know, go back to a house with a bunch of your friends and, you know, play ping pong or, you know, whatever. Just don't violate rules and then get upset when you get caught 
and say it's everybody else's fault but yours. Take responsibility. Gosh, please take responsibility. All right, enough of that. I'm just I'm just tired of people blame shifting. Everything is everybody else's fault. We're all victims here. We don't have any responsibility. It's it's just annoying. It's annoying. You know, I don't want to I don't want to wear a mask everywhere. But I adhere to the policies of whatever place I'm entering. If they don't require a mask, I'm not going to wear a mask. If they do, I will. It's as simple as that. If the if the you know, the term, if the Miller building says, "Hey, there's no anybody in the public is not allowed to be in here." then anybody from the public should not be in there. It doesn't matter who you are. This is the problem we have with politicians. It's rules for you, not for me. So just own it. Just own it. Man, I, I feel like I'm talking to toddlers sometimes. Just own it. It's not about people tattling. You're just mad you get caught. I tell this to my five-year-old. You're not mad because you did something wrong. You're mad because you got caught. Man, I'm sorry. It just feels like we're dealing with toddlers here. Grow up. For the love of God, grow up. It's the same thing I said last segment with the parents and knowing what's going on in your kid's school. Grow up. Know what's going on with your kids and what they're learning. Because you know what? When they come home and start smart-mouthing you and start telling you all these things and, and you have no idea why they're saying what they're saying and you're getting mad, you only have you to blame. You need to know what your kids are learning and what your kids should be learning. Particularly those parents who are out there going, man, I don't understand why my kids, you know, I can't have a conversation with my kid anymore because everything I do is X, Y, or Z. It's because maybe they're being taught that the way to look at the world is a different worldview than you want them to have. Maybe it's something that's really negative. Let's hold ourselves accountable here, people. All right, I'm off my soapbox, I hope. And to jump on another one. So let's talk about the the mayor election here. Let's just talk about some of the initial stuff. Some of the things that were coming out of uh, Tuesday's uh, final um, election day, if you will. For those who who waited to actually vote on that day at the Lusack Library, were rough with surprise when they realized that the municipality did not staff correctly, and thus there were lines waiting outside the door. Uh, Not a big surprise. Uh, This, again, my gosh, we talk about responsibility. The last thing you want to do in an election where people are already suspectful, suspectful, well, well, people are already suspecting that the election process is tainted is to give them more ammunition to say the election process is tainted. You don't want to give them that, but here we go. So here's some of the fun things that happened Tuesday while the election, the final day of election was happening in, in in-person uh, voting happened. Number one is at the Lusack Library. There wasn't enough workers there, so there was a large line out the door. Here's another thing. The sample ballot did not include the Recall Rivera question. Why not? All you had to do was say that District 4 members, people that lived in District 4, would get this question. Not a hard deal. That question was not on there. So as people are looking through the ballots and seeing how they were going to vote so that the voting process could go quicker and smoother, they did not have that option, particularly those who were from District 4. I don't know why that wasn't on there. In the article Suzanne wrote, we got a quote from Russell Biggs, one of the Recall Rivera organizers. He says, if the only ballot handed, handed out doesn't have the recall question on it, how is that right? We're disenfranchising people. District 4 voters deserve a correct sample ballot. He's not wrong. 
even if the sample ballot given to everybody had a notification or a clarification on there that said this question is going to be for district four citizens only absolutely there's no there's absolutely no reason well then the municipality tries to the next day on wednesday they release a um a press release that that essentially tells about what happened and the bottom line is this okay i'm gonna read this to you it wasn't until the moa election team tribulated the results tabulated, excuse me, the results on election night and completed our review tonight that we understood that this is a much larger number of ballots were sequestered and awaiting adjudication or human review resulting in the low number of total votes cast on election night. Once we understood the problem and it completed adjudication today, once it's the results tonight look much more like we would have expected on electric night, the election night, the city wrote. Here's the problem with this. I'm going to go on. When, when voters vote at home and make a mistake, we want voters to be able to easily correct the mistake without obtaining a replacement ballot. Now that we understand this issue, we don't expect issue this issue will slow us down for the rest of the election or in future elections. Again, I get it. We're all human. We make stay, mistakes. But my gosh, this is not the time for this kind of stuff to happen. We already have people who do not trust the election cycle. They do not trust the, the integrity of the election process. And this has only given them fodder to talk about this more. The city clerk writes, After continuing to investigate and review the low number, 10,606 of the votes cast on election day, we discovered one additional issue that slowed down our process in addition to the late arrival of many ballot envelopes, as well as the typical issues of election day. This is, ter- this is terrible. This is frustrating. And it wouldn't surprise me if many people are hot about this. Now, there's going to be a runoff. And I'm going to make this short sweet because we're going to talk about this more and more later. But there will be a runoff. And uh, currently, right now, it looks like it'll be just Forrest Dunbar and Dave Bronson will we'll head into the runoff. As of yesterday, uh, Dunbar had about 3,711 votes. That's about 34% of the vote. And Bronson had 12,986 or 32% of the vote. Now, let's talk about the runoff quick because I'm way over time. The runoff is going to be an interesting thing. One is that conservatives generally don't vote in a runoff, which is stupid. So I'm going to tell you conservatives, Republicans, you need to do this. But also you need to look at the corresponding numbers of the candidates who did not make the runoff but have significant votes to be able to swing an election. Those are Bill Falsey, Bill Evans, Mike Robbins, and George Martinez. Now, George Martinez had about 3%, Mike had 8%, Bill had 10%, and Falsey had 13 I think Falsey probably showed better, but most of these people aligned with what the polls said. Okay? So now the question is this. Who's going to win the runoff? Well, number one, the only way that your candidate wins the runoff is if you vote. Again. So do not hold back and vote. The second thing is to look at the possible additional votes by candidates who did not make the cut, but will encourage their voters to move over. So let's just start with Mike Robbins. Mike Robbins had about 3,097 votes. Now, if we just took his, put him to Bronson's, let's just say we took 2,500. Bronson wins right now if Mike Robbins, I shouldn't say wins. Bronson is ahead of Forrest in this section, for sure. Now you take Bill Evans. Bill Evans ran as a centrist candidate. He had about 3,800, just a little over 3,800, 10% of the vote. Again, that could split. Let's just say it splits. You still have Bronson leading. George Martinez wasn't sure exactly what he was running as. Um, Wasn't really, I mean, 
I saw his signs around town a little bit, but really he didn't seem to be like a huge player, so I didn't spend a lot of time on his candidacy. But let's just say he goes to Forrest Dunbar, okay? So now you have a close, very close race between Forrest and Dave in the runoff. Here's the deciding factor, Bill Falsey. Now, you might have those moderate Democrats that are like, Forrest is way too left-leaning for me. I'm going to go with Dave. Um, I don't need that type of left-leaning candidate. That might be the case. Now, I think Bill's voters are going to be the deciding factor in this runoff. Uh, If everybody continues to vote, I think Bill's, wherever those people lie, is going to be the deciding factor. Okay, that's going to be huge. So just kind of watch out for that. That is going to be a big factor in what candidate wins the runoff. Because right now, it's Forrest and Dave, and I don't think that's going to change. That's not going to change. So what I want you to do is I want you to ensure that you will vote again. Do not just stop voting once. Vote again. And you're going to need to get used to this, particularly with Ballot Measure 2 coming. So Forrest Forrest Dunbar, Dave Bronson will hit the runoff. Everybody needs to vote again because you know what? We can't continue to say that we want to see change, but keep the same people in power. It's just not going to happen. So make sure that you vote. All right, guys, that's it for me today. There's a lot of crazy talk going on. There's a lot of things that we needed to to touch on. And uh, again, my whole thing is this, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. And that's what I see throughout all our political kind of spheres and agendas and, and situations here. Just personal responsibility. Take take responsibility. Parents, take responsibility for your kids, their education. Politicians, take responsibility for things when you do wrong. It's like The world would be a much better place if we all held our own selves accountable as opposed to everybody else except for ourselves. But with that being said, I'm off my soapbox. Listen, thank you so much for watching or listening, I should say, watching. We're not there yet, but maybe one day. Thank you for listening. We appreciate all our listeners all our readers, and of course, all our supporters as well. And if you want to support Must Read Alaska and the stuff that we do, please go to mustreadalaska.com and click the donate button on the top right-hand side. As well as, if you want to get more content, more different types of content, we're on every platform. We're on MeWe, Facebook, Twitter, Parler, um, Rumble, all of that. You can use at must read Alaska. That is our handle, all one word. And you can find us there. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash must read Alaska. We are, uh, we have our website, obviously, at mustreadalaska.com where you can get all the content that's being written. So t- check us out, like, share, all the works. You guys know what to do. But until next time, take care. <laughs>